Welcome to Story Mode. I'm one of your hosts, Night Swarm, and with me, as always, Filter Cord. What up? Ayo. Uh, so this is our uh, sixth and final part of the Witcher Story Mode. It has been, be it's final been part. It's been a long road. Um, yeah. So uh, if you haven't yet. Um, this will be a full of spoilers. Go back and check out um, episode one, two, three, four, and five. That will catch you up through, uh, you know, Witcher one, Witcher two, Assassins of Kings, and the very, very lengthy game that is the Witcher three Wild Hunt. Mm. Um, yes, so, very yeah, girthy. It is a girthy one. Um, so again, this will be our last one for uh, Witcher three, which feels a little weird. I feel like we've been doing. Almost like a Witcher podcast for yeah, the past like, couple like months. A, like a sub-podcast that just focuses on Witcher backstory. Now, we could do one on each of the Witcher books. That's true. <laughs> um, but we'll save that discussion, I think, for another time. That's a good idea. Um, so, uh, as always, it's a quick reminder. You guys can check us out over on Facebook. Facebook.com backslash Mammoth Games Inc. That's where we've been recording the Mammoth Games cast. Uh, you can uh, join us there every Sunday uh, for all your weekly video game news that you need to know. Um, if that's not your thing and you want to do, and you want to just listen to the podcast, get the podcast every Monday um, on uh, podcast services around the globe. Uh, but without further ado, why don't we go ahead and jump into um, the Witcher 3's DLCs. We're going to start, I think, with the smaller one. Uh, start right. with Hearts of Stone. So, yeah, the Witcher 3 had, um, I think altogether they ended up having like 13 or 15 DLC packs, but the majority of those were free. Yeah, um, yeah, they were small. I think it was 12, maybe, that were included as free. Uh, like, small, like we talked about in the past, like... Um, they were like additional outfits for characters or like another, a small mission in like a little town somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like um, an extra, an extra something. To right. Extra armor packs, like things like yeah. that. So relatively small stuff. Uh, CD project has kind of a long history of not really wanting to like, they're very cautious with what they charge for. Um, mm-hmm. they also, you know, the main CD project company also runs uh, gog.com, which is like, you know, sell stuff without any DRM. Um, you know, they basically have like a lot of faith in their their customers, and they're kind of yeah. like, you know, if you're gonna steal this, you're gonna steal it either way. It doesn't really matter what we do. So, you know, just here's the game. We're gonna put it on sale all the time. We include all the stuff automatically if you have a legitimate copy. And uh, you know, they eventually kind of branched out and did these two big DLC packs, which were. Uh, a new thing for CD Projekt Red. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the the first one was Hearts of Stone. Um, it can take place at any time, basically, while you're playing uh, Witcher Three, uh, mm-hmm. as long as you you know initiate the quest. I think it recommends that you're above a certain level, but um, you know you could go initiate the quest and then just kind of pick them up as you're within the right level range. And all the quests in the game have like a recommended level, anyways. So, um, not super unusual. And then Blood of Wine takes place after the core uh, Witcher 3 game, which we'll get to that one later. But uh, I think Hearts of Stone did a really good job. Just kind of a a nice, like a fun little thing that kind of shows what CD Projekt Red was thinking of. Like some additional stuff they wanted to add to the game and some, um, hopefully some ideas that we'll see carry over into, you know, like cyberpunk and stuff like that in the future. Yeah. So... Uh, in Hearts of Stone, um, 
Geralt takes up a contract that was put out by a noble named Algird von Everick. Uh, basically saying, eventually he goes and talks to Algird, who's like kind of like a... Um, he's like the head of like a band of raiders, sort of. Which mm-hmm. is cool. Um, it basically says, hey, there's like this big frog monster thing that is in the sewers of Oxenfurt. Uh, a lot of people are trying to kill it. I want its stuff. Like, it's guarding some treasure or whatever, so... Uh, go kill it, and then I'll pay you off. Um, so it's pretty obvious. Uh, while hunting for the monster and doing research, like you typically do, uh, Geralt runs into Shani, who is like she has like short red hair. Um, she's a, a healer that uh, Geralt has run into previously. I think she was in the first and second game. Maybe might not have been in the second game, but yeah, definitely a major yeah. character in the first game. Mm-hmm. Um. So it's kind of like a cool reunion. Um, and she is a potential like romance option, and this does not interfere with the romance of the core game. So, um, Do what like, you're going to do. Yeah, as far as the game's concerned, <laughs> it's not cheating. So, I mean, them's the rules. Sorry, girls. Yep. Uh, I think that falls so, under uh, you know other zip code. Also very popular. Um, a lot of players wanted to have sex with uh, Olgeard. Which is the guy that like gives you the quest. So yeah. that's very funny. Yeah. That would have been a great just like tack that in there a little bit. <laughs> yeah. A quick DLC uh, option. Right. So um, you do your your research and everything, you go and face down the uh, giant toad, which is literally this like fucking massive. Like its tongue is as big as your body. Um It's like a cool battle and like Geralt kills it by like slicing it in the belly, like from underneath, and then it like does the classic thing where it like spills all of its guts out and shit. Uh, turns out <laughs> that this was not as simple as it seemed. Uh, the As all the guts f- come flying out of this toad that is not happy about it, uh, it kind of like starts to mutate and it becomes like this kind of like darker skinned guy who like kind of collapses on the ground with his guts hanging out. And Gerald, at this point, there? Uh, you've been like heavily poisoned by... Just like toads venom or whatever uh-huh. so girl's like okay this seems bad and then he's like collapsing on the ground and all of these like kind of um I, I would consider them to be they're kind of like uh like they're seen as like middle eastern basically so okay. these like middle eastern looking dudes come like running in and they're like arrest this asshole uh so it turns out <laughs> so they're called ophiary um the guy fierians Oh, the Gaffarians. Uh, right. So the Gaffarians, uh, their prince was turned into this toad, and that's where the like fairy tale of the prince and the toad comes from in this universe. Got him. Um, and wait, wait. So he were... became this big ass venomous toad. Yeah. And no one was like, "Hey, maybe we should try to." Well, he ran away, and I guess the the Ophiarians, Ophiarians, couldn't find him. Yeah, they would have. Like you would think they would dedicate some away. pretty heavy resources to this. Yeah, it's literally your job to protect the prince. But also, what more importantly, like doing? if the prince is a frog, do you just be like, "Well, prince is a frog. See ya." Yeah. Do you, uh, well, okay. Like, who's next? Fair. Who's the next yeah, they, to inherit? That's probably the way they went. Okay. Well, uh, all the siblings died of diarrhea, um, so uh, it's looks like it's fast Jimmy's turn. Exactly. Like, yeah. what's the okay? If you were going to die from dysentery or become a monster toad, what's the significant difference there? Right? 
It's basically the same thing in my it's playbook. It's the same, same fate almost, yeah. In uh, Crusader Kings 3, there's going to be an option that you uh, your prince dies of dysentery and then becomes a giant demon frog, and then you have to choose what you're going to do about it. Very immersive. Okay, good. good. So, <laughs> actually, I hope that's real. <laughs> um, so, the uh, basically, these, these guard like guys and like they're like a vizier type guy, basically. Uh, show up they you know they capture Geralt um, they slap his ass on a boat so you're in the jail cell on the boat just like uh, uh, on uh, Pirates of the Caribbean and uh, basically they're, they're like oh hey when we get back we're gonna execute you so see ya and Geralt kind of does this thing oh, where he like it. talks to himself and he's like hey, you know what I've been through a lot of dumb shit but this really takes the fucking cake <laughs> <laughs> and uh, while you're there all of a sudden there's like you hear a voice right it's like, what the fuck? And this guy's like, hey, it looks like you uh, might need some help over here, buddy. And you see this dude that kind of looks familiar walk out of the shadows. And he's just like loose on this boat. And you're like, okay, what the fuck's this all about? And the guy kind of reminds you. He's like, oh, I'm, uh, you met me before. I'm this dude who, you know, in the beginning of the game, um, when you like first go in, in The Witcher 3, uh, go into that little inn, and, like, uh-huh. the people are kind of fucking with you, and then the one guy goes, oh, I know where, you know, I've seen somebody that matches the description of Yennefer that you're looking for. That was this guy. And he's like, okay. um, so, you know, I've actually helped you out before by telling you something that you wanted to know, but I'm willing to help you out a little more if you make a deal with me. You're like, okay, what the fuck is this? And he's like, oh, I'm like an ancient demon god or something. <laughs> And the devil. And the devil. And the Diablo. So he introduces himself as Gaunter Odim, uh, also known as the Man of Mirrors, which is a cool name. That's a cool fucking name. So he helps Geralt escape by uh, crashing the ship, <laughs> basically, and you have to like swim for your life. That's fine. <laughs> um, it's a very tricky little something. I could, I could slip you, you know, we could unlock the cell, we could, you know, get out of here. Uh, but instead of doing that, let's just kill everyone. Right. We could kill three people, or maybe nobody, if you're really good at what you do. Right. But we're just gonna we'll kill everyone. So, um, as part of this, he like holds his hand out and touches the side of your face, and it causes this like big weird like scar like symbol to appear on Geralt's uh-huh. face, and he goes, "Okay, now you're branded with my symbol, and you work for me now, and it'll be on there until you." carry out the deal Geralt's like okay what the fuck's the deal and he goes okay so you um you know that that guy Olgierd von Everick uh he set you up knowing that the toad monster was this prince he was gonna get you killed and he had a contract separately to kill this toad monster that people didn't know what it was but he didn't want to like get murdered for it I knew it so he like set you out to go get fucked basically yeah so um Eventually, you, like, fight your way off this little island that you crash on and figure out how to get back. Uh, you go find this guy again. And uh, you say, um, you know, Gaunter Odim tells you, uh, according to the terms of his... So, he has made a deal with Von Everick in the past. And part of his deal is that he has to fulfill three of Von Everick's wishes. Um, so, uh, Geralt goes and finds... Uh, this you know this nobleman guy the leader of the raiders you talk to him and you find out that basically he had obtained immortality by 
basically trading his emotions. So he has a, quote, heart of stone. Um, uh, 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 there it is. Right. He admits that yep. he is the one who cursed the prince to become a toad because the prince was arranged to marry Olgierd's, like girlfriend, basically. And he wished for immortality so that he could be with her forever. Uh, he then tells Geralt what his three wishes are. So his first wish is that he wants you to entertain his brother Vladimir for one night. Uh, to get revenge on the Borsodi family by obtaining Maximilian Borsodi's house. And to obtain the violet rose that he had given to his wife Iris after they got married. Uh, Odim tells Geralt that the three tasks are meant to be impossible. So for example, Maximilian Borsodi's house is not a house. It is an item that is kept in a highly secure vault. Uh, Vladimir died several years ago. And his wife Iris died several years ago. Uh, so he's like, okay, he gave you three impossible wishes, but I'm going to use my demon magic to, like, fuck around. <laughs> so let's see what we can do. So uh, with Gontor Odim's help, Geralt allows Vladimir. So you go to the, the Von Everick family crypt. Mm-hmm. And you do this, like, weird ritual that uh, Gontor Odim makes you do to, like, summon Vladimir's ghost. So basically, uh, Vladimir and Olgierd used to like be raiders together, and they would just fuck shit up on the reg. And yep. uh, so Vladimir like majorly like gets drunk one night and like fucks up and dies. Basically, um, so Geralt That's participates. Uh, so basically, he says, uh, so Vladimir, his spirit, in order to have one night of fun, um, Geralt says, "You can possess me." And then we'll go to this, like, wedding party that I got invited to. And then you can, like, hang out at this party all night in my body. <laughs> so, insanely good. That's, that's fine. Oh, and you, like, go with uh, Shani. So she gets invited to the wedding and she's like, oh, can I bring somebody with me? Because I've been, like, hanging out with this dude who, like, slays monsters and cool shit. And they're like, yeah, what the hell? So, uh, you go being possessed by Vladimir, which is hilarious because it's still, like, Geralt's voice actor. Yeah. So he'll be like walking around being like, oh, fine lady, how I would love to sniff your armpits. <laughs> and the guy's like, the dude that possesses him is like a total horn dog. So it's just insanely good. Um, nice. Yeah, that, that's fun. That's, so you're that's, like wandering around this time. wedding party and there's like different shit. Like there's this one like girl, like this hot lady at the wedding event and you're like constantly hitting on her. And... Um, lady in the red hat. The, uh... Like, she has these three brothers, so you, like, grab a stick, and the three of you, like, duel. And you, like, whip their ass with the stick. It's insanely good. Um, so, uh, basically, you, like, go on this whole adventure. You, like, hang out at this wedding party. You completely ruin this couple's wedding for no reason. Um, and then at the end, uh, you know, Vladimir's like, you know... Like, I'm not done. Like, I want to continue partying. Like, being dead sucks. <laughs> being in that crypt sucks. I'm just going to possess you permanently. And fucking uh, Gontor Odim is like, no, you're not. And he fucking banishes his soul forever. So, like, he doesn't even exist as, like, a ghost anymore. He just completely annihilates his ass. So you're like, okay, yeah. don't turn on Gontor Odim. He does not like that. <laughs> um... So then Geralt goes, uh, the, so the second one to get Maximilian Borsodi's house, which is this little, like like I said, it's like a little storage container item. Uh, you go on a heist. So you have to go, like, hire, um, 
like uh, you you get like uh like a you know somebody that either knows how to pick locks or is good at like detonating bombs so you have to like choose between those two then you have okay. to choose a like sn- like a thief so you like either get this dude who's like a master like well-known pickpocket or you get a acrobat with this traveling circus and then you i forget what the other one is but there's another one where you have to choose between two people and um you basically go on this big like heist to this auction house um so you participate in this heist to steal maximilian borsodi's house from its vault then you find that it contains a will which grants the entire borsodi family fortune to a charity um so basically that's you get like a choice there where you can uh there's two borsodi boys basically uh, one of them currently owns the auction house, but he's the younger brother. The older brother was kind of a fuck up his whole life, so the father like wrote him out of the will. And the older brother's the one that initiates you to go on this heist, which is very good. Um, so you can give the will to either one of them, or you can give it away to charity, which I think is the canonical thing, and that's why it's mentioned here. Um, so there's Von Everick's second wish handled. Um, and then he says the last one was to get the... Um, the uh violet rose that he gave to his wife so this is where this game really like kicks into gear um or this this section of the game so you go to his family's estate which is like completely like abandoned and haunted and shit there's like this creepy so there's like a new villain character i get like a unique character model guy which is called the caretaker mm-hmm. and he's like this huge like zombie looking dude with like his head is, like, sewn into a, like, hemp bag. Good God, okay. So, horrifying. Yeah. Uh, it's, like, a very early version of, like, uh, like Jason, basically. It's, like, a huge lumbering dude that doesn't talk and chops people in half. So, he's, like, this, like, demonic entity that Olgierd summoned to take care of that property and keep his wife safe. So, he, like, he, like, kills burglars in, like plants them in the garden with like a hand sticking out of the ground and shit it's very good nice um so the mansion's haunted (laughs) as you walk around you're like in the like before you get into the house because it's all locked up um you run into there's like this cat and this dog that just look really weird and they behave really weirdly and they don't like make noise or anything eventually you figure out that they're demons that are like locked in the shape of a cat and a dog and the demons are like uh yeah so like iris which is the his wife's name like she's like a ghost that haunts this place and this place is like heavily cursed so we can't leave um so then uh Geralt uses the these two like demon creatures to go to this like supernatural realm where he is able to like you're sort of hopping between like dimensions of like you can sort of go to like a version of the house that's in the past and then the current house to, like, bypass um, locked doors and shit. Oh, So, okay. very cool effect. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's a cool mechanic. Yeah. So, um, you kind of go and see several, like, past events between Olgierd Von Everick and Iris, where, like, um, he, like, makes himself immortal because he's, like, this raider. Like, that's what he does, like, is his job. And he's like, dude, I'm gonna get fucking killed out here. So, like, that's why he becomes immortal is so that he always has the ability to come back home to his wife basically because she's like kind of a sad sack idiot 
Um, you know how it is. But she loves to paint. So you see like her like paintings everywhere. And then as you get closer to where her like ghost resides, the paintings become like demonic and shit. It's very cool. So um, ultimately she's like this really high level um, like ghoul thing. Like a, she's like a wraith. Um, and you have to like beat the wraith several times. And then eventually you make it into the room where she is like sitting in her room. And you find out, basically, talking to her spirit, that um, due to his, quote, heart of stone, got it, uh, Olgierd could not truly love his wife, and she died neglected and unhappy, uh, basically died of a broken heart. Uh, Geralt is, uh, gets, a, like, the player's choice, you can take the rose from Iris. Uh, so the rose is, like, in perfect condition, because you're able to go to a version of the past, right? Right. So um, you can take the rose from her. And then basically the rose is like the item that is making her exist as a ghost. Because it's like... The rose was like somehow tied to her magically. Where like... The rose never died. Because her spirit still exists, right? Mm -hmm. So um, if you take the rose from her, it'll allow her ghost to stop haunting the world. Or you can basically say like... Okay, you can keep the rose and like you can live on unrequited love forever, basically, and, like, let this place be cursed permanently because fuck Olgierd and fuck his family. Um, so either way, you fulfill the last wish of uh, Olgierd, and you go back to meet him. Along the way, you find out that uh, Gaunter Odim is actually an ancient satanic entity of pure evil that relishes tricking people into trading away their souls in return for granting wishes that, unknown to the recipient, contains harmful side effects. So he's like an evil genie, basically. Um, so when Geralt meets Von Everick, um, he basically says, uh, so you like, you meet him in a specific location and you say, you know, um, like you, you meet him in this ancient temple basically. And you're like, okay, dude, I did your three wishes. And he's like, that's fucking impossible. You didn't do shit. And you like explain to him. Okay. I was possessed by your brother's ghost. We went to a party. He fucked some lady. It was fine. We did a heist. I got the place. Uh, you know, I, I retrieved Max Borsodi's house and you like give him the item and then he opens it and there's nothing inside. And you're like, hey, you didn't say it had to have the will in it. You just said, get the house. Right. Mm -hmm. And then there's like, um, you know, the rose. And he's like, he's like, so wait a minute. If you have the rose, that means you, that my wife is like a demon or something. And you're like, oh yeah, I fucking killed her ass. See ya. So, like, it's kind of one of the things where, you know, he sent you to do an impossible task, and then you follow what he says exactly to the letter of the law, and you don't, like, try to understand what he meant by it. You know what I mean? It's that yeah, type yeah. of shit. Um, so then uh, you two are, like, kind of arguing over whether you did it or not. And then uh, Gaunter Odim, like, appears, and he, like, walks. He's, like, walking down from the air. Like, he looks like he's walking down a staircase, but there's nothing there. Okay. And he's like, all right, Von Everick, your fucking three wishes have been fulfilled, and I'm about to steal that soul. Uh, so there's, like, a really cool thing where there's a final point where Olgierd's like, okay, you know what? Um, you said that you could... Uh, we made an agreement that you would have my soul when you grant me three wishes, and we stand upon the surface of the moon. So, like, Olgierd thought he was, like, hot shit, right? And then 
uh, Gontaro Dim goes, well, we are standing on the moon. He's like, what? And then there's like a strong wind and it blows away like dirt and like leaves that are in this ancient temple. And there's like a giant like crescent moon that you're standing on, which is very good. Huh. A great moment. Um, so at this point, you can either say, you know what? Fuck you. I'm going to let this demon take your soul and butt fuck you forever in hell. Or sometimes that's what you got to do. Sometimes that's what you got to do. Um, so, so here's your, you know, there's your choices basically. Uh, if Geralt does nothing, then Odim kills Von Everick, takes his soul and rewards Geralt with one wish. If Geralt intervenes, he challenges Gontor Odim by wagering his own soul to save Von Everick. After Geralt solves, uh, basically Odim says, okay, I'll give you a riddle. Um, I didn't do this part, so I don't know what the riddle was. Um, Odim is forced to release Geralt and Von Everick from their packs if you solve his riddle. Um, Von Everick, now mortal again, regains his emotions and immediately feels regret for his past actions and mistakes. He gives Geralt his family sword and promises to start a new life. Uh, so I let his ass get fucking taken to hell. Like, sorry, bro. You chose this. Like, it's one of the things that, like, you know... I, I I do a lot of, like, philosophical shit when I'm playing games. Like, if I come to a really important point in a game, I'll just, like, leave the option screen up and, like, go and, like, make a cup of coffee, like, look around online to kind of see. I, like, I do want to see if there's, like, a gameplay reason to do something. Like, if you instantly level up for doing something, I might just do that. Mm-hmm. But I really do, like, try to take time to think about things. And, I, I mean, obvious anybody who's listened to... You know, all of these story mode episodes about The Witcher, you know, I really try to get in character um, when I play RPGs, especially. Uh, even when I don't, which kind of fucks me over sometimes when I'm playing games. Yeah. And, like, I'm, I'm like, uh, a real soldier would never shoot up this airport. I'm not going to do this. <laughs> you know what I mean? And they're like, okay, but you have uh, to. Okay, but you have to. <laughs> or, like, uh, Spec Ops The Line. It's like, okay, you uh-huh. just, you have to. Like, when we tell you to do something, you have to. So, um, you know, this was one where it's, you know, there's definitely the thing of, like, you know, sometimes people make deals that they don't understand the consequence of, and therefore they should not be held to the unfair terms of that deal. You know what I mean? Like, um, I think this is a big thing that's just going on in the world right now with, like, student loans. That people are realizing, like, oh, wait, this is a massive fucking ripoff right yeah and you know there's there's definitely arguments all around like on the one hand like having a college degree does just instantly raise the like money that you're gonna make in a lifetime on average like it doesn't matter what the college degree is that's why a lot of parents were like hey you can go to school for anything you can go get an art history degree as long as you have any college degree whatsoever it's it's better than not having one right which that actually is true but that doesn't necessarily take into account that, you know, if you're kind of, like, trying to have fun in college, which I didn't do and I regret, um, like, you know, I did the maximum number of credit hours that I could do, and then I also did extra classes over summers and stuff. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I ended up being able to get a minor. Uh, so I got my main, like, Bachelor of Science. I got a minor in something, and I was able to get some kind of cer- certification in something else, right? Right. But... Like, no, but nowhere does any documentation or study show that having a minor in something gives you any additional money in your life. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I right. could just be, like, cooler. <laughs> I could like, just be fucking cooler. I would rather have more cool points 
<laughs> you know? Yeah. So, like, it's just <laughs> one of those things where, you know, it's like, um, I think Booksmart did it really well where it's like, you know, some people try really hard and get perfect grades and they go to Yale and then some other people are rich, so they go to Yale. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, there, there's a lot of different things to be said, but, like, on student loans, ultimately, like, they've become really, really expensive because everybody realized, like, all of the lenders realized, like, A, there's laws. So, like, you can't get out of student loan debt. Like, if you go bankrupt, you, you still have to pay your student loan debt. Right. But, like, there's no limit on that. So, it's not, like... Like, you can have, you know, $200,000 in student loan debt if you went to a really expensive school for four years. Well, like, I mean... That's stupid. You, you shouldn't have. But also, it's like, they shouldn't be allowed to profit at such a high margin. So, I don't know. It, it's yeah, one of those things it, where it's like, uh, like, everybody fucked up. So, it's hard to, like, put blame anywhere because literally everybody's at fault. And it's like, you know, politicians are at fault for allowing the system to get in place. Banks are at fault for asking for the system to be the way it is. People are at fault for just taking loans on shit that they really shouldn't have. You know? Yeah, so it's, it makes it really hard to fix. When it comes to that, it's usually, like, people... Like, people don't read. It comes to that South Park episode. 100%. It's just like, why don't you fucking read? You're signing a contract. Right, right now. It's like, all you have to do is read what the contract is saying. And right. they'll and be like, oh. You okay. can actually... Um, and people explain it to them. I explain it to people every day. Yeah. And there there actually is real, like, legal precedent. So there's two important legal precedents with that. We're really getting off topic here. But, we really are. Uh, this is the way. This is our this way. Is so brand. we must continue. Um, so there's one, and there's legal precedent for... You can just sign an, a, a uh, um, terms of use type stuff, and you don't have to read it, and you can stand up to it in court later. So that's probably the worst thing to ever happen in politics. Um, where it's like, you know, it's like terms of service have become so obtuse in how they're written and interpreted and how it's meant to be interpreted and things like that, that you actually, it's not expected that a regular person would be able to understand it anyways. So you actually don't have to follow it. So that's Mm -hmm. fucking stupid. And then B, there is precedent to say that you can argue certain points of certain things and get an exception. So, like, right. there are people that are like, okay, I'll sign this if you alter the NDA for these certain points. Like, sometimes reviewers will do this for games. Mm-hmm. So, like, it's like, okay, I understand that you don't want me to talk about the story, you don't want me to talk about whatever, but I have to talk about something. So is it okay if I talk about the structure of the story in this way? Like, you can argue things like that, right? Sure. Um, so... It's like I really go into every decision in games with that level of rules lawyer bullshit. Mm-hmm. Like when I describe, like I, it's I write like my fucking Supreme Court justice opinion on why I chose uh, option A instead of option B, <laughs> and I'm like in regards to uh, legal uh, documentation as opposed to uh, non disclosure agreements. Like I really do go in with that level of you know thought, which is really not necessary, and that's why it takes me fucking twenty years to beat a game. Yeah. Um, so I was like, you know what? This guy's an asshole fucking, he's, you know, unredeemable, (laughs) like time to get your soul taken, bitch. And he like dies in such a brutal way. It's like one of those things where he rapidly ages because like all of his immortality catches up to him. Mm -hmm. It's very good. So, uh, I mean, yeah, that's the main part of Hearts of Stone. Another thing it did was it added a whole group of like new item sets, which are the, um, 
Ophiery, the Guy Fieri items. The, yep. Very good. Um, so you get the frosted tips. Would, would Geralt get, like, colored tips? Like the reverse of frosted tips? Because his hair is already frosted. What would, yeah, what color would it go? So he gets it just, it brown. Just go. Brown tips. Brown tips. Just like my asshole. <laughs> brown tips always poking, folks. So that's funny, right? <laughs> it's something. Yeah, I don't know. So I always had Geralt have long hair because their hair physics were pretty good. Yeah. So also I think he's got just the head for having long hair, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah, he's so I mean, lo- he's got weird looking ears, right? He's yeah. kind of very similar to, to Adam Driver that we were talking about earlier. Yeah, Adam Driver could have played a Witcher, just not Geralt. Yeah, he could have played. Yeah. Uh, Who's the one with the fucked up scars? Uh, yeah, Eskel? yeah, is, yeah. Is that the same? He could have played Eskel or whoever the other one is. I think Lambert's the cocky one. So Lambert's kind of yeah, yeah. All huh. right, so Hearts of Stone was a lot smaller than the next one. Um, yeah. I'm gonna. I'm definitely gonna have to skip around because we have like four pages of script for Blood and Wine. But uh, you know, Hearts of Stone more. was their first big DLC that they made, so pretty impressive, right? Right. Um, it came out like seven or eight months after the main game, I think, and then uh, Blood and Wine came out about the year, a little after the year anniversary of the release of the first game. So, also keep in mind that Blood and Wine went on to win RPG Game of the Year. A fucking DLC. That might be it's pretty impressive. the first time that that's ever happened in video games. I can't I remember no, another I mean, there's, time. There's probably some things that are an expansion pack, but they're released as a standalone game. That might be able to qualify for that type of thing. But, I mean, Blood oh, and okay, Wine, you have to have Witcher 3 to play it. It's not standalone. Yeah. So, I don't know. It kinda, it's kind of unique in its category, I think. Um, so yeah, we'll just roll right into it. I mean, uh, Hearts of Stone really is just an additional quest line that you can do during the main game that kind of centers on Olgierd and what's going on with him. Blood and Wine is a whole separate thing. When you start Blood and Wine, you go to a new region of the game. You don't... You're not, like, teleporting back and forth. You're not fast-traveling back to the regular area. Like, you go to do Blood and Wine. And it's typically right. post-game. So, uh, Blood and Wine, set after the events of the base game... Geralt is offered a contract by the Duchess Anna Henrietta, who is the ruler of Toussaint, which is a vassal, vassal duchy under the Nilfgaardian Empire, uh, which is basically France. It's famous for its vineyards and wine exports, and everybody has a French accent. It's very much like the chivalric knight-type uh, setting, you know what I mean? Like, when you go to Toussaint, it's, like, very colorful, so it's... Um, it is not war-torn in the way that you know, Tamaria in the north is where you play most of the game. Um, Tucson is just like beautiful French, like southern French countryside, basically. Um, so, uh, two, basically the story is two knights of Tucson, like very important high ranking knights. So when I say knights, I mean like, you know, they are like knights in armor or whatever, but it's more of knights like knights are in like England. So, like, really famous actors will be knighted or like really successful businessmen or like basically people that are really culturally important. Right. Right. So knights are not just these dudes that have been, I mean, this is a feudal system. They're not just dudes in armor. Like they own land. They might be the head of like small towns. They, you know, pay for all of the shit that's going on. They do all infrastructure is handled by them. They do all the defense. They are the country's politicians. Like, you know, it's everybody. So, like, when a high-ranking knight like this is killed, that's kind of a big deal. 
Right. So two Knights of Toussaint have been murdered under strange circumstances, and it seems to be monster-related. Um, the Duchess knows Geralt from a... I believe it's a short story where he goes to Toussaint. Um, so she sort of knows about him already, and I think her dad had dealt with Geralt directly in the past. Mm-hmm. So they're like, all right, we need a Witcher, and we need the best Witcher, and also the only one that any of us have the contact info for, so somebody get Geralt out here. Um, upon his arrival in Toussaint, Geralt investigates the murder uh, that just happened of a third knight. Uh, with the help of Henrietta, the Duchess, and Captain Damien de la Tour, uh, the knight leading the investigations, Geralt discovers clues to suggest that the knights were killed for violating the five virtues that all knights of Toussaint swear to uphold. And that, in fact, a fourth and possibly fifth knight may be in danger. So basically, like... Um, it might not say here directly, but, uh, there's like, you know, it's like, there will always be honorable. They will always be charitable. They will always be, um, selfless. They will always be whatever, you know, like chivalric type shit. Yeah. So each one is like sort of, it's almost like a seven deadly sins killing. What movie was that? Um, what's in the box? Uh, hmm. I can't remember the name of the movie, but it's like where people are killed based on one of the seven deadly sins. It's that type of shit going on. Some real fucking saw shit going on in here. So, um, uh, so yeah, the, a fourth, and you're assuming probably there will be one murder for each of the five virtues. Um, so Geralt and the Duchess race to find what they think is the fourth knight who they're able to figure out, like, okay, it's probably this guy. He's probably about to get sliced in half. Um, Geralt arrives just in time to see the creature, which they're calling the Beast, kill the fourth knight who had accompanied Geralt to Toussaint. So it was one of the old men that kind of, or one of the knights that picked you up and took you to Toussaint to begin with. That, movie's, um, it, that movie is Seven. Seven. How could I not think of I was thinking it was like seven Deadly or Sins. No, it's the other word. Yeah. Great seven. movie. Was that Brad Pitt? Yeah. What's in the box, baby? Uh, so that's a great meme. Before, so basically, um, Geralt chases the beast. Uh, you corner and battle him in a warehouse. Uh, before you can kill, so he's like appears to be like a really high level vampire, basically. Uh, before either of you can kill the other one, which it seems to be an even match. Uh, Regis, who is uh, basically these these intelligent vampires are called higher vampires. <clears throat> so they're not like a creature that goes and like sucks blood in the night or whatever. Those are like dumbass vampires. Yeah. Um, higher vampires are basically like a, a higher, like intelligent race. Like they live basically forever. They have their own code. They like try not to be really obvious. And typically, witchers won't hunt higher vampires because they're typically higher vampires are not like ultra violent or anything. They'll like they'll drain blood without killing people, and they typically are like kind of nice because they they see humans as like their like cattle to take care of, basically. Yeah. But not in, like, a cruel way, I guess. It's like they they let us be free-range, right? They don't brand. <laughs> We're all grass-fed beef. beef. Right. They, but they don't have, uh, like, industrialized farming or anything. They use all the parts of us. If you do want to see that, um, there's a movie... Uh... Shit, I cannot think of movie titles today. Yeah, it's not going well. No. There's a movie about that with Ethan Hawke. It's very weird. Uh, just look up Ethan Hawke. You'll find it. So... Um, <laughs> So yeah, Regis, uh, who's another higher vampire, he's like a longtime friend of Geralt. 
uh, he intervenes and convinces the beast to stop and like not kill anybody and like get the fuck out of here. Mm-hmm. Um, so Regis at one point in the books, spoiler alert, uh, gets melted. <laughs> God damn. Which is typically something that one of the few things that vampires can't come back from. Um, like as long as a part of their body exists, they can usually reconstitute. But he gets like obliterated basically in one of the books. Uh, so Geralt's like, okay, that's cool that you're alive, but what the fuck's up with that guy? And he goes, oh, he's another higher vampire. Uh, he's called Detlaf. Uh, weird name. Uh, mm-hmm. Regis was revived by Detlaf after he was seemingly melted in battle, resulting in the fact that Regis is now bonded to Detlaf by blood, according to their vampiric code. Uh, Geralt joins forces with Regis to find out why Detlaf is committing murders, because specifically to Regis, like he says, you know, Detlaf is not really interested in human affairs. He doesn't do anything with politics. He likes animals, but he typically doesn't really fuck around with humans. Uh, so they, it's kind of weird that he's doing this. So they brew a potion that enables Geralt to see certain visions of Detlaf's memories, which point them, points them in the direction of a, uh, like a shoe cleaner kid. Uh, so they talk to this kid. Um, Geralt and Regis discover that Detlaf's hideout which is like an old toy shop. Very creepy. Mm-hmm. Uh, Geralt finds evidence that Detlap is being blackmailed into doing these killings. So he has a, like, human or, like, half-elf, like, lover, which is this woman named uh, Renawed. Um, it kind of sounds Welsh. Uh, so she's been kidnapped, and the kidnappers are forcing Detlap to murder these knights in these particular ways by threatening, basically, his girlfriend, right? So, uh, Regis says, you know what, I'm going to stay behind, wait for Detlaf to return, you go talk to Henrietta and the, like, guard captain guy, mm-hmm. um, and basically you take this, like, blackmailer's note. So, on the blackmailer note, there's, like, a wine stain, and from the wine stain on one of the pieces of paper, um, Henrietta is able to identify the wine, because French people as one that's reserved specifically for the duke or the duke or duchess so she's like okay this is this is uh you know savignon blanc uh 1963 like one of those people right so you go with her to uh the winery of the guy that makes this so he says uh, he confesses that he illegally sold a barrel of this you know reserved wine to a mysterious buyer Learning that the buyer has arranged to buy another barrel, uh, Geralt and the guard captain Delator mount an ambush on the collection party. Geralt interrogates a captured member of this party who divulges the identity of the mysterious buyer. So he says he's called the Sintron. So he's somebody from Sintra, right? Mm-hmm. I believe that's where Ciri's family is originally from. So um, Geralt and Henrietta go undercover at a soiree where the Sintron was supposed to attend. Geralt discovers an attempt by the Sentrin to steal a jewel uh, from, like, it's like a crown family, like a crown jewel type jewel, uh, which was able to be foiled. Basically, you don't directly see the Sentrin, but as you are, like, doing this, like, sneaking in this building, you can, you're basically, like, two steps behind them the whole time. Mm-hmm. So the owner of the residence that's hosting this party, this big manor house, uh, her name is Oriana. She admits that she caught the Sentrin red-handed and struggled with him eventually throwing him out a window and killing him. Henrietta identifies the jewel as a family heirloom lost many years ago. Oriana reveals that she bought it from a young woman. 
Daryl also recovers the knife that the Sentron used to attack Oriana, which Henrietta identifies as one belonging to the Lord of a castle nearby. So it's this is kind of like one of those like whodunit, like where every clue tends to lead to like nine other clues. Um, so Geralt points out to Henrietta that the wine and jewel are both tied to the Duchess intimately, meaning that she might be the fifth victim. Uh, but Henrietta floats an alternate theory. She speculates that her long-lost sister named Cyanna might be involved. Cyanna had been exiled for supposedly being afflicted by the curse of the Black Sun, which was a curse for girls born at the same time as a solar eclipse. That's uh, so like a... Yeah, yeah, like a weird superstitious <clears throat> thing. Yeah, um, like let's Henrietta, just them. right? So you know, anything we can do to like burn more women at the stake, right? Right, right. Henrietta tasked Geralt to investigate the castle and find if Cyanna is there, and to return her unharmed if possible. Regis unexpectedly shows up with Detlaf at the party, which is fun, announcing their intent to assist Geralt with finding the blackmailer. Um, so Delator's men assault the castle while Geralt sneaks through the back. This is of the, uh, the nearby noble, uh, who owned the knife. Halfway through, he is joined by Regis and Detlaf. Uh, Detlaf is eager to recover Renawed, his girlfriend. Inside, they find Renawed, but no sign of another woman. Geralt deduces that Renawed is actually Cyanna, who is the long-lost sister, who faked her own kidnapping and was also behind the sale of the uh, like reserved wine and the attempted theft of the jewel. Feeling betrayed, Detlaf leaves in a rage, threatening to destroy the capital city of Toussaint unless Cyanna agrees to meet him for an explanation within three days. That's not the way to do it, dog. Not good. Uh, Geralt explains to Henrietta that Cyanna was behind it all, but the Duchess refuses to believe it. Upon learning that Detlaf is the beast, she demands that Geralt track him down and kill him, while also refusing to bow to Detlaf's threat of attacking the city. <clears throat> Geralt has no luff, luck locating Detlaf in the next three days. While he and Regis report to the Duchess, news reaches them of lesser vampires attacking the city. Uh, this is a very cool moment in the game. You, like, walk toward the city and there's just, like, vampires everywhere, just completely fucking it up. Some real uh, shit that they should have done in Twilight. <laughs> um... So while he and Regis report to the Duchess, news reaches them of lesser vampires tagging the city. Geralt and Regis have two choices. Free Cyanna so she can go and talk to Detlaf, or find the unseen elder who can force Detlaf to appear before Geralt. So basically, um, the vampires have like a very particular hierarchy. Um, you can go find this like ancient elder vampire, and he can control all vampires under him. Kind of the same way that Detlaf is controlling the lesser vampires to attack the city. Right. So then, since this one's like an ancient elder, he can control even higher vampires. Um, so if Geralt chooses to free Cyanna, which is what I did, uh, he and Regis find Delator in the city and convince him to tell them where Cyanna is imprisoned. Geralt and Regis make their way to the palace's playroom where they find an enchanted fairy tale book where the sisters used to play together as children that te teleports you to like a fairy tale dimension, which is very cool. Um, Geralt enters the book's world named The Land of a Thousand Fables, locates Cyanna, and eventually returns with her to the real world. While in The Land of a Thousand Fables, Geralt has the option to retrieve a ribbon for Cyanna. While there, Cyanna also explains to Geralt that her reasoning for murdering the knights is that they were the ones who exiled her under her parents' orders. Uh, some of them had also abused her du during the journey. Uh, it's kind of implied some pretty heavy shit there. Mm -hmm. uh, not good. 
If Girl opts to find the unseen elder he talks to Oriana, who offers to tell him the way if he slays a vampire targeting an orphanage under her patronage. Geralt slays this vampire, but also learns that Oriana herself is another higher vampire with a taste for the blood of young children in the orphanage. Since Beauclair is under attack, Geralt leaves Oriana, but threatens that one day he will come back for her and kill her. Uh, Geralt and Regis make their way to the Unseen Elder's lair, where after some difficulty they persuade the Elder to recall Detlaf. Um, so this basically leads directly to the ending. So I'll describe uh, a couple of them. Um, if Geralt opts to release Sienna from the fairy tale world, Geralt, Regis, and Sienna meet Detlaf in Tesha Mutna, which is this ancient uh, vampire stronghold of when the vampires used to have like an empire, which is mm-hmm. cool. Uh, if Geralt retrieves the ribbon for Sienna, the ribbon saves her from what would be Detlaf's killing blow. Then Geralt has to fight Detlaf with the help of Regis. Detlaf subdues Regis before turning on Geralt, and then the two fight. Uh, Geralt defeats Detlaf after an exhausting battle. Since only a higher vampire can truly kill another higher vampire, Regis reluctantly kills Detlaf. Geralt is to be awarded with Toussaint's highest honor for slaying the beast. Before he attends the ceremony, Geralt can choose to join Regis in uncovering the identity of Sienna's would-be fifth victim. They revisit the shoe shiner, who points them in the direction of beggars paid to deliver messages naming the victims to Detlaf. Geralt and Regis obtain the fifth scroll from the beggars, revealing the intended victim would be the Duchess herself, Henrietta. The Duchess's death would have fulfilled the last virtue, compassion, because the Duchess was seen to have no compassion for her sister. Uh, Geralt can then choose to confront an incarcerated Sienna with the knowledge. Geralt attends the awards ceremony and stays by the Duchess's side while she judges Sienna for her crimes. If Geralt does not investigate the fifth victim, or if he investigates it and then confronts Sienna, in an admonishing manner, Sienna stabs Henrietta with a hairpin and is in turn shot by Delator's crossbow. With no living heirs, uh, the Toussaint falls into a state of chaos. If Geralt asks Sienna to consider forgiving her sister, which is only possible if Geralt read the governess's diary before entering the fairy tale world, the two sisters resolve their differences and Toussaint celebrates. That's what I got. Um, a third ending results if Geralt did not retrieve the magical ribbon. In the fairy tale world, fairy tale world, Detlaf confronts Sienna and kills her. Geralt can then choose to either let him go or kill him with the help of Regis. Regardless, Geralt is thrown into prison for failing to save Sienna. Got him. Geralt would have languished in prison or had been executed if it was not for Dandelion persuading the Duchess to pardon him. My man. Geralt meets with Regis and can choose to look into the fifth victim. He uncovers that the fifth victim was to be the Duchess herself. Goes to the Ducal Crypt where the Duchess grieves. Accompanied by Dandelion, the Duchess refuses to believe Geralt and forbids her from entering the kingdom ever again. Uh, If Geralt opts for the Unseen Elder Path, the Elder Vampire forces Detlaf to meet Geralt and Regis in Tesha Mutna. Detlaf is enraged, attacking both of them, but Geralt and Regis gain the upper hand and kill him. This ending is the same as if Geralt hadn't looked into who the fifth victim was, with Sienna killing Anna and being killed in turn. Geralt drinks with Regis, reflecting on their journey. This happens no matter what. Uh, reflecting on their journey and the events they have witnessed and sometimes had a hand in. They agree that they deserve some rest after all that transpired. If Detlaf was killed, Regis is attacked by other vampires and labeled a traitor for helping kill Detlaf. Regis tells Geralt that he shall venture south and settle in the city of Nilfgaard. Uh, Geralt then returns home to the Vineyard Estate that formed part of his payment to find a surprise visitor. Depending on the base game, the visitor may be either Ciri, Yennefer, Triss, or Dandelion. So... 
this is a cool thing in this game. Like, this is part of, especially with, uh, I, like, this is still seen as, like, the main canonical ending, I guess, is that um, Geralt, like, partners with uh, Yennefer. And then, you know, it says in the main game that they kind of retire somewhere and live quietly for the rest of their lives. That right. places this vineyard that they inherit as part of their gift. Like, so the knight that was killed owned this vineyard. And uh, one of the knights that was killed. So it's given to Geralt to maintain, basically. And it's meant to just be, like, an income property. Like, you know, you hire a bunch of people that know what they're doing, and then you just kind of fuck off. Yeah, yeah, But uh, it has, like, a nice... It has, like, a nice house as part of it. It's not, like, a manor or anything, but it's a cool place. Hmm. So uh, Geralt just scoots right in there. You can decorate it, put up, you know, trophies and weapons and armor sets and everything. Very similar to Skyrim. That's awesome. Um... And that's really the only, like, space customization you get in any of the Witcher games, right? Right, right, yeah. There's um, nothing else like that. Yeah, you, you don't even have, like, a room in fucking Kaer Morhen Kaer Morhen. No. So... I mean, you do. I, you I do, but you don't do anything in it. Yeah. yeah. Huh. But yeah, I mean, um, there's, there's, like, a really good, like, nod to the player moment in uh, Blood and Wine where, you know, Geralt's sitting there with... Um, Yennefer, or it, whoever the guest that visits you is in the end. Mm-hmm. Um, and he kind of, you know, he, somebody says, hey, let's, uh, you know, I think it's time that we go take a rest. Because, you know, it's it's been a long day. The stories you tell me are crazy. I got to go vividly hallucinate in bed for 20 minutes. Yeah, at least. And uh, this wine has some shit mixed in. I think somebody dropped acid in my drink, you know. So, Geralt, like, basically he goes... Yeah, and he looks like at he looks at the player and says, "I think we could use a rest." It's like, got him. I've spent two hundred hours on this game. Yeah, yeah, no shit. <laughs> I could fucking use a rest for the rest of my damn life. So they're like, "Here's five years. We'll pick up in fucking cyber future." Yeah, we'll hit you with bit. cyberpunk and just never plan to have any free time again. <laughs> yeah. So that pretty much rounds out uh, all of The Witcher. Yeah, all of the games. And obviously, we're not going to talk about, like... uh, We're not going to talk about Gwent. No. There is a story behind Gwent. And then there's also a single-player Gwent campaign. Hmm. That I also don't want to talk about. (laughs) Yeah. So... I mean... This... Like, this story is really long. It has a lot of, like, little... It's a lot. Um... Like turns that you can make um, that don't have impact on the story. Things that you can do, you know. If oh you, yeah, you know yeah. if you want to. There's a lot of like side stuff that we didn't even like, touch on. I mean, you know, we it. mentioned a few things that we liked as we kind of came around to them, but there. I mean, this game, as far as like the main. Okay, so it took us three episodes and then a fourth episode for the DLC, right? Right. Um, we could probably do another same amount of episodes just on side content. Yeah. Maybe more. Yeah, uh, at least really one episode on, right. like, cool things that happened. Just maybe in our games. Like, I'm sure that you have a mission that you liked, uh, like, side mission that you liked, just because of the way, you know, the battle went. Or, right. you know, whatever. And that would be different for pretty much anyone else who's listening to this or, uh, you know, any other player who played it. Um mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, that's interesting. We do, you know, as far as recommending these games, it's highly recommended to go and play 
Witcher 3. Mm-hmm. Um, it would, I would say it's highly recommended to do that. The point of this podcast, I feel like, is to have that conversation of what was happening with players who have played it and for people who have never played it, who have no idea. Um, mm-hmm. But to those people who have never played it and, ha- and you know, had, who had no idea, we recommend, I recommend going, picking up The Witcher 3, all of the DLC, and playing that before it gets too old. Before it gets to that point of, yeah, like, like you're not gonna... Maybe in a couple... I mean, I don't know. It's, it, it's a really well-made game. It's oh, yeah. made with the experience of having made games previously. Um, you know, it's still considered to be... I mean, it really holds up. But, yeah. I don't know, maybe... In, you know, five... Five, ten years. Yeah, you know. It might be really wonderful. difficult to play. Yeah. Um, um, but it's super cheap. I mean, you can get it at 20 bucks with all of the DLC at any time. And that's, I'm, like I'm saying, 200 hours. <laughs> yeah. You You're going to put some time into this. You'll yeah. really enjoy it. Might play it multiple times. And not only that, literally this month we have The Witcher coming out on Netflix. Oh yeah, the that's, show. and it, apparently it's really good from early uh, like critic reviews, which yeah. obviously that doesn't always agree with what fans say, but and that's I'm, gonna, I'm usually I pretty close think, to the critics. I think in turn pull more people into it, Be- people yeah. who are interested, people who play sports games, but who also watch Game of Thrones, people who really like you know playing just this one shooter with their friends because their friends play it uh Mm -hmm. and also you know enjoy vikings or something like that it's gonna it's gonna turn around and you know there's gonna be a a small um i think there's gonna be a small boost in sales uh after people get the chance to watch the witcher show um yeah probably so you know get, get uh get on that get ahead of the game a little bit um and, uh, you know, there's going to be a lot of, I, I have a feeling, water cooler moments in The Witcher, mm-hmm. the show. So it's going to be, yeah, it's going to be cool. And these games are great. So you, uh, if you can, and, you know, listening to podcasts isn't the only way, get out there and check this out and see what the stories are for yourself. See how it uh, right. develops. Um, but, yeah, that wraps up everything for The Witcher. Um, six episodes. We thought there would be four. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's fun. Um, so, uh, you know, thank you guys for joining us for The Witcher here. Um, let us know over on Twitter uh, at Mammoth Games Inc. what you would like to see next. We have a healthy amount of options, but you know, we would like to hear what other people would like us to talk about. Sure. Um, so let us know over there, and you can actually catch our weekly show, The Mammoth Games Cast, over on. Uh, facebook.com backslash mammoth games inc um and you know if you you don't feel like catching it there also um drops a reminder and we talk about all of the stuff uh for the podcast just right there on uh the news feed every day you can chat with us um so come chat with us we appreciate that too um but yeah one more time thank you guys for uh joining us for our very first uh full series of uh story mode we'll be back soon uh with something uh you know something new so uh stay tuned but for mammoth games inc i am night swarm and i'm filter cord have a good one